Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What up, everybody? I'm Rob Brandt. And I'm Rick Brandt, and we are the Brothers Brandt. Welcome to episode 22 of the Brothers Brandt podcast. We have a special episode here tonight. It is Seinfeld night at the Brooklyn Cyclones back in 2014. But before we get into that, I just wanted to say huge shout out to the Brandt, the Brothers Brandt faithful and the podcast followers, because we are 22 episodes in, and we are at a 1,000 listens and quickly climbing the charts on Apple Podcasts. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart, wherever, whenever you're listening. Thank you, and we appreciate it. Rick, do you appreciate it? Certainly appreciate it. Much appreciation, and I couldn't appreciate it more. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And now episode 21, our last episode, was with boxing heavyweight legend Jerry Cooney. Unbelievable episode. Got to check it out. Got to check out his book on Amazon, too, or wherever you got to buy it. But check it out. Jerry Cooney. It was The Knockout, episode 21. But without further ado, episode 22, we got Seinfeld Night at the Brooklyn Cyclones Back in 2014, I know we're dating ourselves, that was six years ago, but Rick and I have been on all of these road trips around the country and the Super Bowl, all these massive events that you cross off bucket lists. But I will say, and I know Rick's going to say the same thing, this was arguably one of our most fun trips, day trips we've ever been to on a, at a, for a sporting event. And to give you a little background, the reason why it was so much fun is because in 2014, we were, you know, in our our mid-20s, early 20s, and we we grew up from age 12 to about, like, mid-20s just eating, breathing Seinfeld. We just loved Seinfeld. We were watching reruns when we were 12 years old. We We would go to school play our sports, be done with sports around 5-ish, 4.45, 5-ish, get home in time 
to watch two episodes on TBS of Seinfeld back to back, five to six, two episodes of Seinfeld, and then do our homework, enjoy some other stuff, and then later on, it would be on, it would be on Fox at seven o'clock, there'd be another episode, and then at 11 o'clock, if you stayed up late enough, you could just watch another episode. So there were some nights when we were 12, 13, 14, 16, 17 years old, where we just cranked out four episodes of Seinfeld in one day while doing our homework. So uh, we've seen every episode probably about, I don't know, five or six times. And this podcast episode with the Brooklyn Cyclones is so special to us. So Rick, tell these people exactly, give them the description of what was going on in this. And then we're just going to go back and forth on our favorite Seinfeld stuff, favorite things from the game. It would be my pleasure, Rob. And you get great gave great context there. So back in 2014, we find out that this minor league team, the Brooklyn Cyclones in New York, are hosting a promotional night, which I'm sure many of you out there are familiar with and have been to the Star Wars nights and all the other different types of nights that minor league teams put together to attract people to come to their games. So we saw online several weeks in advance that there was going to be this Seinfeld night in Brooklyn, and we knew we had to be there. So I remember like it was yesterday. It was a July evening, and we were traveling through in the afternoon through New York, through Brooklyn, which, I mean, it must have taken us at least two-plus hours to get through all that traffic for all of those that have driven through New York. And we were on a mission, though, that day, my friend. We were determined to get to MCU Ballpark home of the Brooklyn Cyclones, only that night they decided to rename the stadium Vandalay Industries Park. And of course, those of you Seinfeld fans out there know Vandalay Industries as the world famous, legendary latex business. So we pull up and we knew we were going to have a great time when we saw the huge banner hanging off the side of the stadium. But it didn't stop there. As you walked through the gates into entering the stadium, you received a Keith Hernandez Magic Loogie bobblehead. Now, I will say we didn't get there early enough to get this limited edition bobblehead. But for those of the folks that did, man, that was one special bobblehead. Then we were greeted by the real Kramer, a.k.a. Ass Man, a.k.a. Michael Richards. And that was hilarious. There was the soup Nazi. There was men wearing puffy shirts. In fact, there was a marine biologist, a, a real marine biologist, who threw out the ceremonial first pitch, which was a titleist golf ball, by the way. <laughs> and instead of the seventh inning stretch, there was a group of Elaine lookalikes on the field doing Elaine's notorious little kicks dance. Yikes. That's all I have to say about that. And then to celebrate the night, over the loudspeakers, they made an announcement that a donation had been made in our names to the Human Fund, Money for People, courtesies of George Costanza. He was so nice. In fact, he made a donation in everybody's name to the Human Fund. Oh, and if that wasn't enough, there were foul poles that were renamed Festivus poles, courtesies of George Costanza's father, Frank's made-up holiday. 
It was fantastic, Rob. We had a ton of fun. It was just such a wonderful night to be surrounded by people of the same interest. I mean, there had to have been maybe 10,000 Seinfeld enthusiasts. And Rob, I don't know about you, but actually I do know about you. You had a fantastic time and so did I. Oh, 100%. It was amazing. So, so let's talk about that night, Rob. What were some of your favorite parts? I know I just detailed, uh, you know, a handful of it, but for our listeners out there, why, why was it so special? What made it so fun? And just on a side note before you answer, the Brooklyn Cyclones quickly saw how much fun it was that they since have made it an annual tradition. And when fans are back in stadiums, they plan to do it again. Yeah, I, I think what was so fascinating and so awesome was just the amount of Seinfeld enthusiasts. I mean, you're in Brooklyn, New York. That's, you know, New York is where Seinfeld took place. And so you have, we thought we were going to get there early and we got there early. We got there really early for the Keith Hernandez uh, bobblehead, but we missed it. We were like, oh my gosh, like people are diehard about this. Um, I really loved the puppy, the puffy shirts. So, and the, it, what was interesting is the Cyclones wore that. I don't know if you remember, Rick, but they wore that for the first inning, uh, puffy shirts, courtesies of uh, George Costanza. <laughs> I don't and remember also, too much. I don't remember too much about the actual game itself, but you're right. I think I do recall that. Yeah, the game was, you know, whatever. It's a single A ball club playing in like a very small stadium, uh, but it was packed. And I like they had uh, one thing that I wanted to mention is they had a George Costanza Snickers eating competition where they had to eat with a knife and fork. They also had a low talking PA announcer and they had you could go air your grievances at one of the kiosks, which was to me so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's also, you know, the UPS, like for if you were a United States postal worker, you could show your ID and get in for free, thanks to Newman. And one of the biggest things that I loved about the game was how we just took the um, excitement and, and, and our experience at going to the Super Bowl and going on the road trips, and we just took it to the Brooklyn Cyclones. And we had that attitude of we're going to do whatever we want. So one of my, my favorite part was the stadium's packed and there's uh, Brooklyn Cyclone cheerleaders and they go out onto the field and the stadium's very small. It holds like maybe like five or 10,000 people. So nothing crazy. It's a pretty small, intimate stadium. And Rick and I happen to be by the third base dugout and we watched these cheerleaders go onto the field being escorted. So what did Rick and I do? We just uh, rode their coattails and jumped on the back of their, uh, you know, uh, express. And we uh, jumped right onto the field and we just walked right out and we got a picture at home plate with the cheerleaders. And then we got a picture with Kramer, which was like awesome. I mean, come on. Uh, picture with a soup Nazi, Nazi and a picture with the uh, marine biologist from uh, that episode in Seinfeld, which is, which is my favorite episode. My favorite episode is the marine biologist one. Uh, Rick, what was, your, what was some of your favorite moments of that night? 
everything that you've talked about was fantastic. Uh, you're totally right. It wouldn't have been a Brothers Brandt trip if we didn't make our way down out onto the field. It was all uh, good fun. We had a great time. They had a great time. Uh, kudos to the Brooklyn Cyclones for creating that idea and for keeping it going. I was reading up, Rob, on upcoming years, uh, what they'll be uh, having, like I said, when fans are back in attendance. They will have big salads. They'll have marble rise. They'll have, <laughs> they'll have junior mints and black and white cookies for fans to eat, which is just <laughs> so perfect. I loved it. I, I um, love the tradition that they're starting at the Brooklyn Cyclones. We may, we may have to make it a tradition to go to that game. Now, yeah. go well, on. So, yeah, so what I was going to say, though, was I also read, Rob, that they now, not just the Keith Hernandez Magic Loogie bobblehead that started the tradition, but they now are offering Fusilli Jerry bobbleheads <laughs> and Lloyd Braun bobbleheads. <laughs> Oh my God, that's great. That's fantastic. And, you know, we wanted to do this episode, guys, because we wanted to talk about this experience and this event and definitely put it on your bucket list, especially if you're a Seinfeld fan. You'll just absolutely love it. I mean, the game is what it is. It's a minor league baseball game, but it's just cool to see how much effort is put into it, into the, uh, the night for the Cyclones organization. So definitely put that on your bucket list as a sports fan, super cheap experience but a fun one nonetheless we're still talking about it raving about it six years later now I, we also wanted to do this this episode because of our love for Seinfeld and Rick has recently during this quarantine just gone on a uh, soul-searching mission to watch to binge every episode of Seinfeld in a row which we've never done in a row we just kind of watched whatever TBS and Fox gave us so, Rick, without further ado, let's walk through some of the funniest Seinfeld episodes, our favorite ones, some one-liners from it. So hit us with what you got. All right. So here's what I got, Rob, and you're totally right. I love the fact that we're being able to dive into a passion of ours, and Seinfeld's right up there at the top of the list. So the first thing that we should remember about Seinfeld is it started like every other show starts with a pilot series. They started out with uh, just five episodes in that first season of what ended up being a nine-season series. And NBC gave them a shot, and they said, hey, listen, let's see, you know, sink or swim. Let's see if the people like it. And 30 years later, Rob, they're still swimming. So they come out with this pilot. It's five episodes, the first season. And, you know, we got to talk about the first ever episode. It's just so cool to see it and see how young they look um they really hadn't yet come into themselves as characters of the show i think most notably kramer i think it really took until maybe um as i went through it season three maybe before kramer really had that identity that you know everybody knows him as but just looking back on the first season that was one of my biggest takeaways the first episode and and how young and and fresh they were and then seeing them evolve into season two three four etc yeah it, it's been a minute since i watched the pilot what was the pilot episode about just real quick 
Yeah, so the first episode, you know, they were like in a real grungy style. Uh, it was like almost felt like they were in the basement of the like a laundromat. It was a laundromat they were in, and it was just really grimy looking. Um, like probably a New York City uh, laundromat kind of maybe looked back in the 80s, early 90s. I, I have no idea, but um, their sweatshirts, their style. It was just like they were average Joes in a in a in a laundromat doing doing laundry, talking about their everyday experiences, which as we know, is what Seinfeld was all about. They, 30 years later, created shows that I can relate to and scenes and topics of conversation that come up in my everyday life. Yeah, same. That's I reference Seinfeld probably, you know, once a day with people. <laughs> or at least <laughs> with myself. I'm like, this is a Seinfeld moment. Um, totally. So, once episode, so, so season two, what are your favorite episodes, season two? Season two, I absolutely love the Chinese restaurants uh, episode. That episode to me was hysterical for so many reasons. It also notably was the first episode and one of very few episodes in the whole nine seasons that took place in one location. The whole episode, all 23 minutes, were oh, wow. based in a Chinese restaurant, which is something that all of us have done. We've all gone to Chinese restaurants. We've all had to wait. Uh, we've all had frustrations. We've been starving. We just want to be seated. And they end up getting so frustrated that they end up walking out. And the second they walk out, the uh, hostess calls their name, but it was too late because they already bailed on their meal. It's just a hysterical episode for those of you that haven't watched it or haven't watched it in a while. Anytime that I hear, and now this is going to hit a chord with all Seinfeld fans listening to this. Anytime that I hear the word, someone's last name is Cartwright. I just start laughing. I just start. Of course. Cartwright. 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 <laughs> who's, who's Cartwright? I'm Cartwright. <laughs> You're, not You're not Cartwright. <laughs> I know I'm not Cartwright. <laughs> 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 love it. Love it. I also enjoyed the following episode in that season, which was the busboy episode. It was basically that episode where, um, you know, George accidentally gets a busboy fired for some wise ass remark he makes to a manager. And it actually ends up being a great thing because three days later, the restaurant burned down and probably would have killed the busboy, as he said. And then they go to his apartment, they lose his cat, they left the door open. Uh, and then at one point, I, I just really enjoyed the uh, comment to the where the busboy says to Jerry and George and Kramer and Elaine in Jerry's apartment, well, I must get going for today is my first day on my new job and I am terribly, terribly late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and I reference that all the time. <laughs> in fact... <laughs> Shelby, my wife, for the podcasters out there, like she'll she'll chime in with that too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that she's growing on Seinfeld and Seinfeld's growing on her. All right. So Rick, favorite episode from episode or favorite episode from season four. We're gonna what up, everybody? Sorry to interrupt the regular programming right here, but Rick and I have to pay the bills, so we're going to run an ad. This ad is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. 
There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the show, guys. Okay. Yep. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, geez, there's so many good ones there. I love the pitch. And that, for those of you out there, is where they make their pitch to NBC about a show about nothing. And people have looked back at Seinfeld and said, hey, this is a show about nothing. And, and in the actual show, they pitch NBC, George and Jerry, on the idea of writing a show about nothing. So that, to me, was like a huge, great, awesome episode. And I did also like, towards the end of season four, the contest where they try to see how long or who can go the longest without uh, pleasuring themselves. And that just is absolutely hysterical to watch. So yeah, uh, Kramer's, Kramer's out within like 30 minutes and Elaine keeps wanting back in because of putty and she keeps losing like a thousand dollars. Jerry's ripping a cigar the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good stuff on that. I will say season five, Rob, in episode five, it's called the Briss. And uh, it's the episode where, uh, George, Kramer, Jerry, Elaine, they have a friend who had a baby. Uh, they're having uh, the baby circumcised, I guess. And uh, they hire somebody to come in and do the bris. And the character in that episode, really, truly, you got to watch this season, this episode, specifically the bris. It is hysterical. The guy just goes on a, a huge tangent, a huge rant. And uh, it's probably one of my favorite secondary characters of Seinfeld. Mm. Mm. I know, Rob. And we're going we're gonna to get into secondary non-main characters in a little bit. And I'm going to – my favorite episode, and I've already made reference to it, is the marine biologist episode in, in season five. I mean, hands down, my favorite. So much is going on. Uh, you know, you got Kramer blasting golf balls out into the Atlantic Ocean. And, uh, you know, you got George reconnecting with a high school sweetheart or someone from high school that he knew. And, Graham, and, uh, and, and Jerry throws him under the bus and goes, yeah, he's a marine biologist now. And George just goes, yeah, dude, why'd you say marine biologist? I, I've always been an architect in Vandalay Industries. Come on, man. And, you know, the, the scene at the end where he goes uh, out into the ocean and telling the story and and pulls out the golf ball at the cafe and he goes there was an obstruction in the in the in the great great fish and i i knew if i could reach my hand into the blowhole i'd be able to pull it out and i pull it out and then he shows everybody a, a golf ball and kramer just goes is that a titleist hole in one <laughs> <laughs> It's true, Rob. That's probably the best ending for any Seinfeld episode out of all the episodes. So, yeah, Marine Biologist, definitely up there as one of the greats. And then let's talk about what do you want to do? You want to hit maybe uh, season Last, six? I, I was, yeah, was going to skip ahead. Uh, we can do season six, but then let's go to season nine. Let's do, there's so many great ones. We could stay on this thing all day. We could. We could talk for weeks about Seinfeld. 
one thing I liked in season six was at their 14th episode of season six, they call it highlights of a hundred. And it was monumental because Seinfeld had reached the 100th episode achievement, which is just so impressive. It was cleverly done where they looked back over the first 100 episodes. I loved it. And from that point on, we knew we had three more seasons to go, seven, eight, and nine. Tell me about season nine, Rob. Oh, man, season nine. I mean, that's the last season. Uh, I think uh, Serenity Now was such an awesome one with Frank, with Frank George's dad. Uh, and then the Merv Griffin show was just fantastic. Like Kramer Dex, Kramer has always been the bizarre character that you just never know what's going to happen with him. But when he says he's doing something and it's totally out there in left field, you're just like, sure, why not? That's Kramer. And he turns his, he turns his apartment complex into a, into a talk show host talk show uh setup and he brings <laughs> he brings in all these guests he brings in you know a wildlife uh you know expert and and george in that episode is uh is having a nurse a uh, squirrel back to life because he uh he ran it over and the hawk attacks the squirrel and then jerry's in there and he has no idea why he was brought onto the show and it turns out Jerry, I believe, was uh, cheating or, or see, cheating on, on the girl. What he, what he was doing, Rob, was he was drugging his girlfriend, getting her drunk so she'd pass out That's so right. that he could play with her toy collection. And, and yeah, and then Kramer, like, surprisingly had the girlfriend in, so it turned into an episode. Yeah, it turned into an episode where you basically had, like, a uh, – I don't know, maybe like a Jerry Springer type setup, which was hysterical. And then uh, Newman hilariously would occasionally sit in almost as like a co-host and he'd like egg it on and he was really funny. And then I also really liked in that episode, one nonchalant comment from Elaine was like, Elaine would walk into the apartment, then they'd all sit down and Kramer would like shush them over so that they could make room for like a new guest on the show and Kramer starts reading off of cue cards and as he's reading off of cue cards Elaine just goes why are you reading off of cue cards and it was just a really funny scene so uh hilarious episode the Merv Griffin show and then the finale the finale the last episode which brought it all together I felt like tied everything in a bow so perfectly was that they get Finally, George and Jerry get the approval, the thumbs up from NBC to do their pilot. They're going to film and start making their show out in Hollywood. Yet before they go out there, NBC says, you can take our private jet, fly anywhere in the world, wherever you want to go. So the four of them get on the plane. Kramer, of course, gets water in his ear, starts jumping around on this private plane they start to go down as if they're crashing they don't crash but they land safely up in the new england area and yet while they're waiting for their plane to get fixed and go out on their rest of their trip they witness an, uh, a robbery and a, a larger fella gets robbed for his wallet but they just laughed they looked on they videotaped and they laughed and it turned out the town that they were in had implemented the Good Samaritan law 
just recently. And lo and behold, the legendary Jackie Childs, the lawyer, comes into play. He uh, and all of the previous characters come up to this courtroom and they testify as to how terrible these people, George, Kramer, Elaine, Jerry, have been over all the previous nine seasons. <laughs> the judge ends up putting them in jail for a year. And I just thought it was hilarious. Such a well done ending. What do you think of everything, Rob? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the ending was pretty good because you're like, how are you going to end this and in a funny manner and just bringing in all those secondary characters and non-main characters just to point out all the flaws in, in Jerry, Kramer, Elaine, and George. And there were a lot. And I think that's what made everything so relatable. Uh, and then I want to dive into those secondary characters just, just quickly right now as we wrap up this podcast. Uh, I just wanted to highlight, you know, some of my favorite secondary characters. And I'm really curious to hear what some of yours are, dude. Uh, let's see. My, my, one of my favorite secondary characters is gotta be Kenny Banya because like, it's definitely the, uh, the, uh, the episode where he lends Jerry his blazer and Kenny's like, all right, man, you owe me one. You owe me one. And, uh, he goes out to the uh the restaurant in the city why am i blanking on the name the name of mendy's mendy's rob it's got the best swordfish in the city yeah and it's like the best swordfish in the city and like it's just like he goes out there and doesn't want to order the swordfish and like jerry's like no this is the meal and he doesn't order the swordfish and and he orders a soup and then the whole episode is trying to define if the soup was a meal did he crumb and elaine's asking did he crumble any crackers in it and he's just trying to get another meal out of it. I just find that hilarious. That is, uh, that's one of my favorite uh, secondary characters. And then Putty. Putty's got to be up there as everybody's secondary favorite characters. I mean, the New Jersey Devils one when the Devils play the Rangers and he scares the crap out of the priest because he's dressed looking like a devil and he has face paint on and he's yelling, Devils, go Devils. Oh, my God. So good. Who well, else, Rob? Who else are some of your other favorite secondary characters? I mean, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it out right now. Uh, Jerry Stiller, the late great Jerry Stiller, recently passed away. Re you know, rest in peace. Phenomenal, phenomenal comedian. Not just for Seinfeld, but all the other things that he's done throughout his life. And his son, obviously Ben Stiller. You know, super famous. Uh, but Jerry Stiller, Frank Costanza, uh, you know, George's dad, never a dull moment with Frank Costanza. Uh, <laughs> it's you know, true. Just getting true. pissed off at George for something and being that dad that just will never let his son, you know, get by with anything, which is very funny. And then the uh, constant battle between George's parents and Jerry's parents just are is such a funny dynamic, uh, you know. When, when Jerry's parents moved to Del Boca Vista in Florida from New York, which happens a lot, a lot of snowboard, snowbirds leave uh, New York and they, and they move down to Florida. And, he, and, and the Seinfelds are like, yeah, there's no more room in Del Boca Vista. And it was like Frank Costanza's mission to move into Del Boca Vista. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their, their banter definitely was hilarious. I got to tell you, Rob, I think there were so many great characters. Uh, I liked a lot of the bosses. So 
George had some hilarious bosses at the Yankees, Mr. Wilhelm, Mr. Steinbrenner. Those two always were funny to me. I even liked uh, Lane's boss at one point, Mr. Peterman. Uh, you got Uncle Leo. You got Lloyd Braun. These guys were just hysterical. And then one secondary character that wasn't even a human that I thought was just perfect was little Jerry, the uh, rooster that Kramer uh, accidentally acquires. And it turns into a boxing, uh, you know, cockfighter. And it's just so funny, that episode. And then the other episode, too, again, secondary. Maybe it's not even a character. I don't even think you could classify it as a character. But the Frogger episode, where George has the all-time record from a child uh, in the pizzeria where they grew up. Oh, my God. Frogger. And, and his mission is to preserve the, the, the game, the whole arcade system itself and, and acquire it so that he doesn't lose that all-time high score. And the episode of him trying to get it out of there was, was so funny, so perfect. One of my favorites. Oh, my gosh. Those two episodes, I'm so happy you brought them up because little Jerry – I feel like with Seinfeld, there's so many Seinfeld moments throughout my day that I just think to myself and laugh. And uh, one is with Little Jerry episode when this this rooster becomes a you know a co- you know cockfighting, and they're in this you know dingy setup in in wherever a basement. And <laughs> George, everybody's yelling something at the end of the episode, and George is yelling for a tamale from the from the vendor and I just always think of that when I look at a Mexican restaurant menu I just crack up when I see the tamales on there <laughs> and then, and then I have instant flashbacks to that and then anytime anytime I'm at my I'm at my house or at someone's house and we have to plug something into an outlet you know an electrical outlet the frogger episode always comes to mind because the George recruits these Polish, uh, you know, electricians that Kramer knows, and it's always some roundabout way. And instead of calling them outlets, the, the, the I think they're Polish guys that are whatever they are. And they just go, they just go, yeah, you got holes, you got holes. And, and George is like holes. What are you talking about? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah the holes. And he goes, Oh, outlets, outlets. So, <laughs> yeah, so much, for being, so much for being, so much for being an expert on uh, electrical, uh, terminology when you're calling outlets holes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just so funny. It's a recommendation from Kramer, so you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> how about how about the perfect combination of of grease and and Mountain Dew on on the joystick that that legendary day when they were teenagers playing the video game? I love that reference. Oh my gosh, so good, such a good reference. <laughs> so, so Rob, I think uh, you know we've got to get out there. We've got to watch some Seinfeld, maybe play some arcade games. But uh, I think that'll do it for me, man. That was uh, fantastic. I loved recapping the Brooklyn Cyclones night. I think, like you said at the beginning of the episode, all you listeners out there, it may not be the Super Bowl, it may not be the Final Four. But it's definitely a bucket list item and one anybody who likes Seinfeld would thoroughly enjoy. 1,000%. And, uh, you know, stay tuned. We got some crazy episodes coming up. We got some more road trips coming up and interviews coming up. Uh, And it's going to be a wild ride. We're getting things going. And thanks for listening. I'm Rob Brandt. 
And I'm Rick Brandt, and we are the Brothers Brandt. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.